0: Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, Donnie Yen heads to a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Some Attack on Titan news. The Hong Kong box office is up, and we talk Terminator Genesis. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where a films were food, They'd be full of it. and welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong, China, other parts of Asia, and occasionally Hollywood, like this episode. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me once again from a bad time paradox in Arnold Schwarzenegger's basement is Mr. Kevin Ma.
1: Hello, Paul. Okay, I got the throat thing, so I can't really do it right this week. But uh, yeah, hello, Paul. Talk to me if you want to live.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah, we're both kind of having a throat thing, uh, uh, unfortunately, yeah. so if we sound a bit scratchy and a bit strange, uh, <laughs> mm. please pardon our, our vocalizations this week. Um, yeah, don't
1: you hate that, we have that cough and nothing is coming out, but you know something wants to come out? Yeah. God, yeah. yeah it's it's just, just that itch in the back like, of the throat. Uh, it, you can't get wrong, rid of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, how are you doing, sir? We just
0: uh, passed uh, 4th of July here this past weekend. Did you uh, do anything special? Do anything exciting?
1: No, I did not get to you know in America. They say you celebrate the independence of the United States of America by blowing up a small part of it. Unfortunately, I did not get to do that. Um, we do not get a holiday, as as I guess we all know by now. So um, no, no, I didn't. I wasn't really feeling terribly American, I suppose. But you know, uh, it's been a great couple of weeks to be an American, hasn't it, Paul? At least for the for us on the left left side of the political spectrum yeah yeah i mean uh
0: not to get too political but um you know some some very interesting things have been happening um f- that at least you know as you say for those of us who are a little bit more left-leaning um we make us feel a little bit more proud to call ourselves an american uh not a holiday here we actually have july first as a holiday which was um a week ago on wednesday and that is the hong kong reclamation or reunification day um so it was nice to have uh, that day off but our july 4th was actually a saturday and uh interestingly enough the one thing that kind of gets brought up when i discuss july 4th with my friends who are back in the states is i always lament that we can't set off fireworks here and they're like what i say yeah fireworks are illegal we can't you know technically get them although Anytime there's a Chinese, you know, Chinese New Year or Mid-Autumn Festival or some other kind of Chinese festival, somehow people in the village here tend to get firecrackers. They're illegal. I don't know how they get them, but they still get them.
1: But See, I, I don't have that kind of conflict because I come from San Francisco, where it is illegal to set up fireworks, and other people just they just go to the next, the next city to to buy fireworks. So. Yeah. Yeah, I totally know that feeling, bro. Yeah, and it's the same in Florida.
0: I mean, technically it's illegal to <laughs> set them off, but you'll see fireworks stands on pretty much every corner when um, either the New Year rolls around or when Fourth of July rolls around. And so I guess the uh, law enforcement kind of you know, gives people uh, a gentle pass during those time periods. But other time periods, if you're doing it, um, they'll tend to crack down on it. But here... Aside from the sort of the traditional, you know, fire Chinese firecrackers that you'll see uh, people lighting at temples and things during festivals, um, you know, you can't really get like bottle rockets or sparklers or any of the traditional stuff. So I was a little bit disappointed because I would, was kind of hoping the little one could, you know, I could get a hold of some sparklers somehow for the little one to play with. So I'm, I'm thinking in the future, we're going to have to go stateside for the fourth so she can experience that. But I did try to, at least in terms of the food side of things, we um, made a lot of traditional American fare, cooked mac and cheese. It was too hot to light up the grill. It was just too hot outside. So we um, fried up some uh, hot dogs on the stove and, you know, kind of did it up, um, you know, American barbecue style, uh, just with the family. And we weren't going to have, we were, we thought about having some people over, but then, um, we were going to be very busy on Sunday. We didn't want to do sort of the post uh, cleanup that tends to happen when you have a you know big barbecue gathering. So we just uh, kept it small. Uh, n- n- nice little gathering, um, and I think I watched the uh, the Independence Day special episode of Duck Dynasty.
1: <laughs> oh, so, I thought you watched Independence Day.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. That uh, that that one's a little bit too long in the tooth for my taste. So. Today
1: we celebrate our Independence Day! Come on, you gotta... with, with aliens blowing up, man, and, and, and fake viruses for the Mac. Yeah, yeah. Come on, that's well, American.
0: Well, apparently we're going to get to experience that again because there's a sequel in the works, as I understand it. Although, um,
1: Yeah, the story will be that uh, the aliens forgot to update their iOS.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they, they got a new version of Symantec or uh, Norton <laughs> Antivirus, right? And, yeah. So now they're coming back. Um, and only Jeff Goldblum can save us. All right. Well, um, I hope you all had a happy fourth if you're listening to us from the States and if you're listening to us from other parts of the world that you had uh, you know, a pleasant weekend and, and a nice time as you watched, uh, as Kevin said, Americans blowing up little parts of America and uh, being silly over the weekend. Um, but we do have a lot to cover this week. We've got uh, some news to talk about and a little bit later we'll be talking about terminator genesis 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 i don't know genesis this weird spelling and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute so let me throw it back over uh through the time paradox to kevin at the news
1: desk with some news yeah at the news desk um okay i I cannot do the whole show in the Arno accent. I'm sorry, I lost a bed, Paul. I'm sorry. Anyway, Paul, are we are we gonna talk a little bit about this Donnie thing or what? Donnie and Star Wars. Yes,
0: we've got to talk about it. So we've got to talk um, about cheese. If, if you know, if you tended to hear shouts of joy in the streets um, over the past day or so, uh, it is probably the culmination of both some geek fans and some Asian film fans. Learning that Donnie Yen, um, the highly regarded actor uh, t- these days in Hong Kong, cinema, <laughs> <Actor. clears throat> is an uh, action star, okay, for or lack of a better word, uh, has been, is apparently being cast in uh, a Jedi role for episode eight. Okay, so this is not episode seven that we're getting a little bit later this year, but uh, the follow-up, episode eight of Star Wars. Um and so, yes, uh, there's already a ton of, at the time of this recording, uh, there's already a ton of memes going up where they've taken clips of Donnie Yen films and still images and uh, some of his action scenes and they've painted a lightsaber um, in his, in his uh, you know, typically unarmed hands. So uh, pretty interesting and somewhat geeky news. Um some people had commented that uh our you know uh his sometime film co-star, Louis Koo, should be pretty jealous <laughs> at this at this news. Um but maybe <laughs> Donnie can call in <laughs> a couple favors and uh maybe with episode nine uh we can get the cooster in there. Um and as one commenter over on the Love HK uh, film site, not the site itself, but the Facebook page, the Facebook group had said, uh, this is going to commenter Devin LaRosa. He said, uh, Yen will prove there's three sides to the Force. The dark side, the light side, and the Donnie side. Um, and that comment made me laugh, so I thought it was worth a mention. Kevin, what do you think of this? Are uh, you big Star Wars fan? Are you looking forward to seeing Donnie up there on screen with a lightsaber using the Force?
1: Well, first of all, to the most of the world. Calm the hell down. Um, it, this this report came from Apple Daily. Um, it was a front page story on the entertainment page I believe a few days ago. But the catch is that Apple Daily did not name a source where it came from. So they just put it on the front page and said, look, this is what's happening. But they didn't get a quote from anyone. They didn't get any confirmation of any kind. Um, they didn't even say where the news came from. And uh, Chinese press have asked the Chinese media have asked Donnie about this, and he has neither confirmed nor denied um, this 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 whole thing. So it's still not confirmed. So remember the um, I wouldn't call it a debacle, but remember what happened a few years ago when Apple Daily also said that Andy Lau is supposed to be in Iron Man three because some dude tweeted about it and put it you know and it got put on Apple Daily and you know it was seem it seemed like it was like etched on a, on a stone tablet and it never happened yeah so this this might be this sort of smells like that to me um and also remember Darth Maul episode one I got a doll film and I thought that it was sold for huge value and then people saw the movie and realized it was in on, only for five minutes and I kind of worried that this might happen as well even if Donnie is cast it so yeah I am far from excited about this thing in fact it's sort of like well i'll believe it when it's true but for now it's just your typical apple daily style reporting which is less than credible let's face it
0: yeah well i mean we do see a chinese actor uh in iron man 3 to you know and apparently there's uh, also a cutscene right with
1: them um, only in the china uh, version uh Fan bing bing right yeah only in the china version do no you no see no chinese stars well, you did see one Tracy's eyes did you Ah, uh, oh, he was in it for two seconds. Yeah, yeah I'm Chi was in it for about two he, seconds. He's the doctor. Yeah, he's, He yeah, shows yeah, but shows he got up at the, the um, yeah, the he party. got the extended scene in the in the China version, yeah. not in the rest of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. And he plays a
0: significant role. I mean, he he pulls the shrapnel out of uh, Tony at the end, right? Um, yeah. The you know, so even if this is a rumor with Donnie, I think it <clears> it kind of makes sense if you know Disney, who's running the Marvel property, um. Is also now running the Star Wars property. They're looking to try to get audience draw in China, and uh, it would make sense for them to get somebody like Donnie um, or Lewis um, or somebody of, of some renown um, to be in a you know a, a decent sized role um, in in an upcoming film. Now, obviously, they probably don't want to do it for Seven because Seven is going to be, o- be the old timers. But once they get into the narrative territory of eight where they've passed the torch you know that's a prime area for a lot of um a lot of new faces and i think donnie would complement that well um so i'm kind of excited i hope this is true but if it's not i hope that uh, they do decide to at least try to get some chinese talent in there because um you know that's uh that's one thing that we could look to in the original star wars films and and even the prequels to some extent um, is that there's not a lot of Asian presence, right? In terms of Asian American actors or Asian actors in general, mm. um, represented up on the screen, and I think that's something that they could uh, they could definitely work on. Mm.
1: Um,
0: but yeah, Donnie, my my hope is is that like um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, he'll get a somewhat significant role that will grow over time. Um, you know, they may not want to give him a lot right up front. You know, Samuel L. Jackson was kind of in a minor cameo role, but then by the end of the um, third prequel, uh, Revenge of the Sith, he had a somewhat larger and more significant role, right? Um, so my hope is that, you know, that they'll build something like that where Donnie can come back and have an even bigger role in uh, in an episode nine in the future. But again still a lot of speculation um at the time we're recording this as kevin said no real confirmation from donny's group his <laughs> nothing on his facebook page apparently about this and it, you know if it's still under you know contractual negotiations that that uh, is to be expected but at the same time this could all just be um rumor this one of the things we were talking about in one of the uh, sci-fi groups that i'm in on facebook uh was uh There was another bit of rumor news that the actor who played Superman on Smallville, I think, uh, may be coming to reprise the role of Superman on the TV series The Flash. And so we saw this news, very excited, and then people start saying, is this true or is this just a rumor that somebody's starting? Because this is like the thing now. People are starting these uh, geek-based rumors, and they're kind of turning turning out to be clickbait because it oh, dra- yeah. draws in a lot of people and it, you know, it generates the site hits. And, you know, it's, um, it's something that's starting to happen more and more. So it's very getting very difficult to parse out the truth from the fiction with a lot of these rumors today. Um, so hopefully, you know, this is something that will come to pass because I think it would be very exciting uh, to see Donnie up there with a lightsaber and, uh, you know, uh, doing a force push or something. Maybe talking like Yoda.
1: <laughs> Ten, I will fight.
0: <laughs> All right. I think that's enough uh, geeking out over Star Wars news and over Donnie Yen. Uh, what else will you got for us this week, Kevin?
1: All right. A couple of acquisition news um, for those of you in uh, North America. Uh, are you familiar with Attack on Titan, Paul? Oh, yes. I'm looking forward to the... Well, looking forward
0: is probably too optimistic, I should say. Uh, I'm interested to see the live action version, which we're getting in about a month here,
1: yeah, I think around uh August right but yeah, so so the Hong Kong rights are being held by uh Echo, and they will be releasing the film i think mid August or late August, but a good news for you in North America is that Funimation has picked up the north or the rights for actually Americas as in... North America, Central America, and South America. So they will be um, distributing the film uh, through the continent. Um, They did not release a date yet, but they will be holding the world premiere of the film in Los Angeles with um, with Japanese producer Toho. Um, So this is all straight from Japan, and um, I believe it will be held a week before the um, theatrical release in Japan. (coughs) So the good news is that, yes, Attack on Titan, the two-parter live-action film is on the way to North America and um, luckily this time I think the fans won't have to wait that long. Funimation um, also holds the rights to the anime series, so um, it almost seems to make sense uh, that they they take the rights and uh, it's good news because it's Shows that Japanese distributor the they're getting on this whole, getting closer towards you know not day and day, but at least closer to a um, more feasible time of release. You know, trying to fight the torrents and all the internet um, uh, pirates. They realize that that doesn't really work anymore to to hold on it. So now they're trying to encourage a uh, sort of a more world, more synchronized release uh, of their. Of their big films so like we get it in hong kong just weeks after it comes out in in japan and it looks like america will get it not too late hopefully um yeah so there you go so paul if you don't want to if you can't later if you don't want to buy a blu-ray of it or something and and in case edgo doesn't release it there's always the american version to to fall back on
0: yeah well <coughs> if if history has proven me anything is that typically the live action films that are based on existing properties of either manga or anime they tend to be a bit of a letdown um in terms of the the narrative and in terms of the presentation um i i can i can think specifically of a couple titles um we don't need, need to go you know too deep into it um
1: you can go into it i'm not gonna go into it
0: you know death note um what was the what was the thing about the the, the ball? Uh, Gantz. Gantz. You know, um, these things which had very uh, intriguing uh, mangas and or (laughs) animes. um, And the live actions just felt so far short in terms of, not not just in terms of the effects, because effects are, you know, one thing, but also the way that they move around and change the narrative because they're taking something which has been, you know, a very somewhat lengthy story arc and they're compressing it into one or two movies and this is my big fear with attack on titan um if you've read uh, the manga or if you've seen the anime i mean the anime is not even finished um the manga is not finished as i understand it i haven't read the manga but i've watched the first series of 26 episodes i want to say and it's you know the, the, the story is like still ongoing there's still um you know a lot that isn't resolved and you know it's not finished and who knows when the second season the second series is going to be starting uh and so well, isn't yeah, the uh,
1: the film version supposed to have a, a somewhat different story well that's what I they say told.
0: they say that this is a this is a different thing altogether but when you look at the trailer what you see are some <coughs> of the some of the key moments from the anime like the the the, the big wall cracking titan you know, breaking down the wall. So it's like they've borrowed a lot of the same elements, but they're somehow going to be telling a different story with different characters. Uh, So again, here, this is a potential chance for big disappointment, because I think people who've seen the anime, seen the manga, are interested in the characters that are there, you know, and if they're going to give us new characters, it may come off as much less appealing. Uh, but, you know, this could be the, you know, this could be the, the exception to the rule that has been Japanese live-action cinema so far.
1: Okay, well, I, you, we'll get to find out soon, and so will, um, fans of the uh, original anime and the manga in North America, I guess, hopefully they'll find out sooner than later. Um, yeah, so. I
0: think this is, this is really good news for, uh, for <coughs> fans in the US, because typically... Um, access has been, is is really very sparse. And I know that a lot of my friends who are fans, you know, they either have to order stuff from Japan or they have to wait for fan sub versions of things or they have to wait for, like, a Hong Kong release um, that's going to have an English subtitle option. Um, But then they've got region coding issues to think about. So it's definitely good news for people who want access to this um,
1: fairly quickly.
0: Right. Uh, further news.
1: Something about more China acquisition. Lion? Yes. yes, more acquisition news. Um, China Lion Film, um, who have been, you know, one of the strongest supporters of day and day releases of Chinese films in uh, North America and Australia uh, and New Zealand, uh, they announced that they announced three new acquisitions from uh, China's Huayi Brothers. Um, uh, First of all, they will they, have, uh, they will be releasing the Chinese remake of 1994 romantic comedy, Only You, um, produced by Feng Xiaogang. The film stars Tan Wei uh, as a bride-to-be who follows a fortune teller's advice and track down her fiancé's high school classmate, uh, played by Liao Fan from uh, Black Coat Thin Ice. That film is coming in late July, and uh, China and I will be releasing the, the film on the same weekend as China um, on July 24th. Um, they also acquired two other big films towards the end of the year, in the second half of the year, that includes uh, Changers: The Wasted Times, which uh, stars Goyo Zhang Ziyi, and Japanese actor Asano Tadanobu. That film uh, should be coming out on the 3rd of October. Um, and there's a teaser trailer out already, and it looks very offbeat and kind of interesting. Um, and in December, the company will be releasing Mr. Six, a uh, comedy starring starring director Feng Xiaogang. If you remember, Feng Xiaogang had a small cameo in the beginning of Kung Fu Hustle, the the gangster. That's that's Feng Xiaogang. He'll be starring in this film um, as a former hooligan who must take his son back from young wannabe gangsters. Um, and the son is played by uh, former. Or, or ethnically Chinese, but former Korean pop group idol Chris Wu, who you may remember in uh, Somewhere somewhere Only We Know, the romantic film, romance uh, starring Xu Jinglei. Um So those three films acquired um, through the American company I Am Global, who serves as the international sales agent of Hawaii Brothers. So at least those three films, um, three fairly high-profile big films, Chinese films coming out uh, in North America. Uh, coming in July, October, and December, respectively. Uh, any of those three? Are you excited about any of those three films, Paul?
0: Well, yeah. If you say Tongue Way, I'm I'm pretty much there.
1: Yeah, the remake of the uh, Robert Downey Jr. And Marisa Tomei film.
0: Yeah. So. Um, she she's pretty she's pretty one of the one of the few actresses today who get me pretty much out to see whatever she's in. So
1: yeah, you even saw the Golden Era. So yes, I, I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did <laughs> indeed. Saying
1: this thing yeah so yeah um, if you're in North America plenty of chances to catch the latest Asian films you do not have to wait for video go into a cinema buy a ticket and you know uh, it, and support these distributors you know encourage them to bring more films in for day and day release it's the only way you can see the newest films from Asia as soon as you know possible and not have to wait and you know then you won't have to complain on the internet and then we won't have to deal with your complaint and then me and Paul won't have to argue about why day and day global day and day release don't work and just you know, that, that argument's been been there done that so we're not gonna go back there anymore um yeah that, that that's it from uh from those end okay so that's it for acquisition news um final bit of news um about the half year box office uh, of course we need now in July so now we're gonna talk about how um Asian countries uh, the box office uh, were in the first half of the year uh, the first one up is Hong Kong, um, who uh, was They uh, saw a pretty huge surge, um, about 15% um, in the first six months of 2015. Um, Total box office revenue, according to data from the Motion Picture Industry Association of Hong Kong, or MPIA, total box office revenue for the first six months of 2015 was at 985 million Hong Kong dollars. Which is actually a, um, a a rise of 15.1% uh, from the same period last year. Um, much of it is because of the um, higher, I guess, huge grosses of, of Hollywood films. Uh, we're talking about 133 million Hong Kong dollars for Avengers Age of, Age of Ultron. We're talking about the 85 million that Jurassic World made, and that's like a week or week and a half we're talking about these 59.6 million hong kong dollars that fast and furious 7 made here or even the 46.9 million hong kong dollars that the standby me do made which is quite interesting because it's the first time in quite a few years that a non- non-Hong Kong Asian film um, scored this much, made this much money here in Hong Kong. Um, the highest-grossing local film of the year so far is Little Big Master, the um, education drama starring William Yuen. That film has made an astonishing $46.6 million Hong Kong dollars, um, <clears throat> and is by far the highest local-grossing film of the year. Um, it is only followed by the 28.4 million Hong Kong dollars of From Vegas to Macau too. So, any upcoming film really will have to work really hard to beat uh, Miriam Yeung and her five kids uh, this year. So you know things are good for the the exhibition sector, um, thanks to you know these huge um, uh, revenue ride uh, or these huge Hollywood films that are taking over the cinemas. Um, not a lot of good news for Hong Kong films because average gross, you know, there have only been 16 local films released this year and, and you know, with the exception of Little Big Master, nothing has passed Hong 30 million Hong Kong dollars, um, which is a little disappointing when you think about it. Um, but we do have a few big films coming up for the second half of the year. We do have uh, 2 to 4, the, the Dante Land biking film. We have um in october uh well i can't really think of any hong kong films we have a few patrick kong films coming of course um we don't have a Paul chan film we don't have a well john Woo's the crossing might come out but the first part didn't do well um but yeah i mean you know we still have you know the summer we still have um um december coming so there are some you know there will be some big titles coming it's just we don't know how they would do in hong kong just like you know how you never know how hong kong films would do in hong kong these days um yeah so paul what do you think are you surprised that hollywood is doing so well here in hong kong this year well
0: i mean what else is there to go <coughs> against it not much um hollywood is the big bully when it comes to number of screens and, and screen time we've talked about that before um i'm just uh, you know what is your thought in terms of uh, what, what is the top film again uh, fast and furious or jurassic world
1: no avengers avengers, avengers. okay so
0: is do you think anything's going to dethrone avengers in with the remainder of the year i mean uh star wars 7 any chance you think because i mean science fictions star wars i don't think is really that big of a draw um, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars are not huge properties over here. Not not like um, I think Avengers has been. Or Marvel movies have been.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, because the actually the, the the Star Wars prequels didn't do particularly well here. They Did okay, but they didn't really you know set the bond. They don't do as well as say superhero films. They're not. They don't really have the iconic characters. People, I mean, <coughs> excuse me. People know about stormtroopers, right? But they're not gonna go. No one's going to go watch a movie for Stormtroopers. Yeah. Um, but um, just like actually the year that, that, that Avengers came out, Avengers was the top grossing film that year. So I think Marvel's got a pretty solid hold on that on that list this year. I mean, the rest of the summer, the, I don't think there'll be anything as big as Jurassic Park or Avengers for the rest of the summer, yeah. um, at least here in Hong Kong.
0: It'll be interesting to see how Ant-Man does and, in- and it's gonna
1: week. be a bit of a, a, it's a bit of an uphill c- climb because it's an original character and and I think actually the biggest I think the, the biggest chance to be um, Jurassic world at the moment is uh, minions. Yeah. Minions is kept, uh, getting a lot of traction here. Uh, the Terminator film did okay here. Um, Mission Impossible may do well enough. Um, but I don't think it will do as well as a Jurassic World. But I think you know kid friendly properties. I think end up end up doing having a good chance. So we're talking about Minions, possibly the Pixar. I'm not sure because it's not a a, a franchise or a sequel. Um, so yeah, I think the Minions really. That's that's my that's my uh, uh, prediction. All right, I well, make
0: we'll, we'll talk about that one in an upcoming show. That will wrap up our news segment for this week, so why don't we take a short musical interlude and we'll be ba- we'll be <coughs> excuse me. back. We'll be back <laughs> to talk about Terminator Genesis. back our film this week traveling all the way back from 1984 and beyond is the again sequel terminator to the terminator franchise uh terminator genesis spelled g-e-n-i-s-y-s um, which i thought was kind of a lame uh, attempt at titling but once you get into the story you understand that it does make a little bit of sense so going to try and talk about this film because kevin has not seen it yet he does plan to see it i'm going to try and talk about this film um with as few spoilers as possible uh but it's kind of hard to do that because the one of the big complaints against this film that i had and some of my friends had is that the trailer actual actual actually spoils what should be a big reveal and this has been a, a point i guess of controversy with some of the producers that they were kind of upset um, that the trailer was constructed the way that it was and it kind of shows something that should have been saved i think Um, so if you've seen the trailers you probably and you've seen the movie you probably have a good understanding what i'm talking about Um, so what is the story well if you've paid attention to the terminator franchise at all you kind of understand what to expect in the future there's this guy named john connor He sends another guy named Kyle Reese back to 1984 to help protect Sarah Connor from being assassinated. Sarah Connor, the mother of John Connor. Um, So to protect her from being assassinated by a cyborg Terminator. However, this time upon arrival, Reese finds that Sarah is already under the protection of a T-800 sent back a decade earlier when she was only around age nine. Now on the run from a T-1000, the trio seek a way to stop Skynet from ever coming online. Um, so yeah, there's a the, the the film itself actually kind of starts off in a post uh, Judgment Day period. It starts off at the around the pinnacle moment when the machines get sent back, um, and then of course we jump back to 1984 and things start rolling from there. Trying to put this film into perspective with the other films is a very very difficult thing to do because there are a lot of things that they take into account but there are a lot of things that they don't take into account and really anything after uh, T2 starts to break apart um, bit by bit uh, in terms of, of the, the canon that they've established. Um, so if you'll remember at the end of T2, um, you think that, uh, they've blown, blown up Cyberdyne and there is no fate, but what we make is kind of the, the dialogue of the day and they kind of, you know, end with that. But then they come back a few years later and we've got T3 Rise of the Machines And we find that, okay, in fact, Judgment Day hasn't been averted. It's somehow been postponed and things are now still on track. Um, And then that film ends with uh, John Connor and his uh, future wife uh, being propelled into the post-nuclear era of, um, you know, post-Judgment Day. And then we get the most recent film, The Terminator Salvation, Which um, in which uh, Batman, Christian Bale, takes over the role of John Connor, um, which is set entirely in the post-apocalyptic era um, and is kind of, you know, dealing with the characters as they've been established in in that era. But there are a lot (coughs) of pieces that, you know, don't fit um, as we move from one director and one set of writers to the next. So here with this film, uh, directed by Alan Taylor, um, who's really, I mean, you're probably only going to know him from Thor The Dark World.
1: Um, Game of Thrones. Uh,
0: well, yeah, he's done a lot of TV. Uh, he's done yeah. Oz, he's done Sex and the City, The Sopranos, done a lot of TV stuff. So that's not to discount his, um, you know, his abilities as a director, but uh, film-wise, um, the, the last thing he did before this was Thor The Dark World, which was a kind of seen as a middling sequel that uh, wasn't as good as the first one and within the whole marvel pantheon is kind of lukewarm for a lot of people um and that seems to be the reaction so far that i think a lot of critics have had for this film so without getting too deep into um some of the nuts and bolts of, of things I mean anytime you're dealing with time travel there's all kinds of paradox problems and this film is full of them but to be honest I went into this film with really low expectations and I came out liking it uh, a lot better than I thought I would um, that's not to say it's not without problems because it does have you know uh, a metric ton of problems but I found it to be fun and I found it to be Uh, entertaining and engaging far more so than uh, T3 and much more so than uh, Terminator Salvation which I think for me was one of the dregs of the entire franchise. I know some people like that uh, entry but for me I think it was the worst. Um, So if I were to actually, I was talking with some friends and we're trying to arrange you know in terms of our favorites um, for me, this is a solid third, right? So we, um, for me, uh, the original Terminator still holds first place. I know a lot of people love T2 much better. Uh, it's a, they got a, got better action, better effects, crisper story, um, to be sure. But um, for me, you can't have two without the original. And I really love, you know, just the, the whole feel and look uh, of, of the original and the whole aesthetic that that established. Um, and I recently watched all... Of the films again um, just to try and you know get a sense of the perspective of how they fit with with this film so this film tries to pay a lot of homage to both t1 and t2 because it's somehow messed up the timeline so now uh, sarah connor is not the sarah connor the waitress that we know from the first film her timeline's been altered for a decade she's been under protection uh, by this t800 and, you know, they're out there trying to prepare for uh, things to come, like the arrival of the original T-800. Um, and so they actually do an homage to that, um, which is a very interesting scene because they do some really good camera work to kind of set it up. I think they actually borrow um, a couple a couple clips, uh, I think, um, just a couple clips. Uh, very brief moment shots I think they somehow borrowed from the original film and did some cleanup on them. Um, but you do see the original T-800, and it's not um, the actual footage. It's a recreation, a, sort of a CGI of young Arnold, um, which doesn't work very well for me. I, some people really like the effect. To me, it was very had this very uncanny valley kind of feeling, um, especially if you've seen the original and that's kind of fresh in your mind Um, but it's still a very it's still a very fun scene to watch Um, they do you know they really try to to do some good attention to detail and bringing that back to life and you know when Reese for example comes through some of the things that happened to him um, they play with some of those aspects as well and then they they move (coughs) beyond Um, so I think there was for me there was just enough of that some um, critics that I've listened to have said that there was perhaps a bit too much for their taste but I really found those touches um, of nostalgia to be well done and um, to, they, they, they enhanced my overall enjoyment of the film uh, by quite a bit. There's also some callbacks to uh, T2 as well because you've got a T-1000 uh, which I'm guessing is supposed to be the original T-1000 that was sent back. That was the second machine supposedly sent back. Although now in this context it becomes the third machine sent back um, because this is before the T3 film when there was another machine that the TX sent back. Are you confused yet? Because I'm still trying to wrap my head around. um, But when are
1: they going to send a machine to just go and kill Sarah Connor's parents? Well, they did.
0: Okay, so this 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 is part of the setup for this film. So one of the reasons why the T-800 was sent back to protect Sarah Connor is because her parents get killed by the T-1000. So there's some kind of hiccup here um, that, that affects the timeline of the original. And that's where the big problem for me is, is because they kind of pay lip service to what that hiccup is. They leave it kind of open for, I guess, further exposition in future films. I guess, but they leave that as kind of a question hanging who and why did this, you know, did the, did, did this thing, what happened to cause this time shift? Um, so that, you know, what we saw in the original Terminator is now not, um, the original timeline. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, getting beyond that, um, so, sort of like we talked about a couple weeks ago with Jurassic World. This is a film that's trying to pay homage to its roots but trying to sort of ignore the baggage of the sequels, right, so uh, we get these compressed aspects of T1 and T2 much in the same way, and, and these moments of homage much in the same way that Jurassic World gives us a lots of, lots of homage to Jurassic Park but kind of ignores the baggage of uh, Jurassic Park 2 and Jurassic Park 3. Um, so playing with the nostalgia for the old timers like myself, but trying to use all the <coughs> bells and whistles to go for you know the new audience. Um, of course, notably the biggest change here is that we have uh, Amelia Clark as Sarah. Um, very good in the role. I wasn't sure if I would be able to get her as Daenerys out of my head, but very quickly. Um, into the film. I was already seeing her as a young Sarah Connor, uh, a tougher Sarah Connor, not quite as tough as we see in T2, where she's kind of got mental issues, but, a, but, a, but not the sort of waif, uh, damsel in distress waitress that we see in the first film. So she's kind of this nice, um, rough around the edges in between. And I think she wore the role very well, um they again use her and they they make her kind of look the part really I mean they try there's a couple points where they they really make her kind of look like um Linda Hamilton um in a couple ways although she's got a very distinctive look uh, of her own so I thought she was very very good of course you've got Arnold here and he's playing up the humorous aspect that he's old okay Arnold is an old guy but he's still in pretty good shape but they do play this aspect up. They they explain why he looks old compared to the young Terminator. Um, so they, they they go to some lengths and they make this a sort of running gag throughout. Um, you might not like that humor. I kind that that that's the kind of humor that appeals to me. I found it funny. Um, for me, the weak link though is Jai Courtney as Kyle Reese. Um, I just did not think he was the right person for the role um michael bine was very iconic in the role and uh, you know his reese is has always been sort of um that character i mean he continued the character on and and if you've seen the extended versions of t2 um, he had some scenes there here the character is he's kind of the archetypal you know leading man character for today's era which means he's fit he's muscular I mean he's very rugged solidly built. he's gonna have some shirtless scenes but this is not a guy who is has lived through very tough times of a post apocalypse you know when we see Reese for example he's toned but he's skinny it looks like he needs to eat a few more meals it looks like somebody who's been struggling to survive Jack Courtney doesn't look like he's had any time surviving. He looks like he's been <laughs> eating very, very well. And he just doesn't look the part of somebody living sort of in a post-apocalyptic era. Um, you know, and so, yeah, he's got the, the leading man thing there, but it just didn't really work for me. Um, and also, if you go back and you watch the way that uh, Michael Byne plays the character in the first film, he is very much a fish out of water because he is a character who's born into the post-apocalyptic world he does not have a life before judgment day according to the original timeline so he, for him you know the, the 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 aspects of city the even some of the personalizations uh, the way he communicates is very very different it's not very normalized you might say and none of that comes across through courtney's character he's just like okay bro you know he's just like another dude um, and so I think that uh, the you know sort of the original fish out of water feel that that character had that he didn't belong in this time period, came comes across much better through uh, bias
1: portrayal. I'm sorry. Um, is is there any ma- any way to make yourself sound older than ch- try to say okay, bro, Paul? <laughs> sorry, I just wanted. I, I, just, I just heard that. I was like, okay, bra, okay, bra, bra, bra. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Um, yeah, so it and you know, with a, any Terminator film, there's going to be chase sequences. There's going to be action sequences. We get the introduction of not just one but two new kinds of Terminators. Um, which, if you've been paying attention, you've probably lost count. The original is the T eight hundred. That's the Arnold version, who's appeared in all almost all of the films. Um, he even kind of has a minor cameo in in Salvation. You've got, you've had the uh, T-1000, of course, made, uh, originally done by um, uh, Robert Patrick. In this case done by, oh, I forgot his name. Lee uh, Yeah, Asian actor who looks great and is, is great in the role. Um, you know, he, he, he I think, effectively conveys uh, the, the T-1000-ness, you would say. Um, we don't have a TX in this one so uh, you know no no femme fatales running around but we do get introduced to at3000 and at 5000 um, although they're not named as such in the film I had to do some digging online to find out what um, what variations these were but we do get uh, the, these these two new models uh, that pop up um, at different points within the film um, you know, how can you, the, the, one of the challenges of the, you know, T3 was how do you improve upon the the cool factor of the T1000, which kind of blew everybody away in uh, T2. Um, and again, here, I'm not sure if they're overly successful, they try and, you know, again, make it a superior model through some of the ways in which it reconstitutes itself. Um, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but um, when you see it, you'll understand that uh, it's um it's an interesting thing that they do. It's it's somewhat reminiscent for those who've played the video game uh, Mass Effect, of the one of the out final outcomes in Mass Effect Three, um, is an option that seems to be the option that the, the, these new Terminators have, um, have kind of come up with for for themselves. Um, so if you've seen if you played that and you've seen that you know send, send us a message and see if you agree with me or not. Um, if, if you think that that's kind of a, they're kind of borrowing from the, the mass effect ending a little bit, um, be on the lookout too, for a cameo by a certain time traveling doctor. Uh, I, I kind of went into this film, not wanting to do a lot of research into the cast. Um, I knew that, uh, Amelia Clark was, was playing Sarah, but beyond that, um, I kind of wanted, wanted to go in cold. And was kind of surprised and somewhat uh, enjoyed the cameo uh, by the certain time traveling British doctor. And so be on the lookout for that. It's kind of hard to miss. Um, but when I when you first see him, I was like, "Wait a minute, is that uh, so and so?" And then it turns out, that, yeah, that's him. Um, part of the problem, though, again with this, is that uh, you get into these paradoxes, and the film doesn't explain. It tries to explain a couple things way by saying. Oh, you know, like Arnold has a line versus that part of my memory has been deleted or something. Um, but some of the other big issues they never really uh, address. And I've been kind of racking my brain. I've <laughs> gone to a couple websites where they've tried to theorize out how all these movies now connect, um, even though dates have been pushed back and things have changed. I mean, there's a there's a pretty big point um, made in T3 about the john connor character i mean that's a pretty big point and then they don't necessarily deal with that here although they kind of do it's it's really weird and it's all kind of out of whack so if you try and think about the time aspect of it too much you're probably going to give yourself a migraine so i would urge you not to do that too much um the the other thing too is that um you know If you think about the original film, the original film was done in a way to kind of keep it set up in this very closed kind of narrative state, right? Reese actually has a line, Michael Baines Reese actually actually has a line where he says, nobody goes home, nobody else comes through, right? So the time travel thing was supposed to be, you know, a one-shot thing. They sent the T-800 through to kill Sarah and they did that just before they captured the facility, they captured the, so John Connor captures the facility and sends Reese through, and then that's it. Nobody, you know, nobody else is supposed to go through. So there were, you know, this was the idea that it's just the two time travelers who went, no T-1000, no future T-800s, you know, that we've gotten, no TX, none of that. So they've, you know, the, the series of, Want, in wanting to make more money, they've had to stretch that narrative, right, beyond um, the the first film. Um, they also ignore another point, too, where, you know, if you go back and watch the original, uh, Connor tells Reese to give Sarah a message, and he says, "I you know, he made me memorize this. Well, you've got this very scene at the start of the movie where Connor is sending Reese through, and there's no... Mention of a mess, that message, or anything, you know. So, again, is it is it was Reese lying in the first film, or did they just choose to say, well, we're not going to take that as canon? So they pick and choose a lot of moments here. Um, or is it that now that the time's been changed so many times, is this a different future than the future that was established in the first film? Um, in a sense, this is more of a reboot. Akin to the Star Trek franchise with what they're doing, because they're kind of starting the timeline fresh and looking to push it forward into um, new territory. But all that confusion and time paradox aside, um, I still enjoyed it. I liked the rapport between, uh, especially Arnold and Amelia Clark. Um, You've got some, you've got some good cameos here um, um, thrown in. I think there was a, you know, like J.K. Simmons um, ha, has an interesting role, uh, we mentioned Lee Bing-hoon, I think there was a chance though for even more cameos, right, I mean, because think about the, you know, I, I, okay, so they're not going to get Michael Bean, they're not going to get, um, Linda Hamilton, but, um, you know, Bill Paxton, right, one of his first film roles as a punk, one of the punks that Arnold's Terminator in the first film initially accosts, he's just like, give me your clothes, um, Bill Paxton was one of those punks, right? Great chance for, um, you know, to have him come back and, you know, just, just do a pop-up role. Brian Thompson was one of the other punks another sort of uh, character actor. He's often playing a villain. Um, you know, Paul Winfield and Lance Henriksen were in the original as the detectives. Um, if you remember the big station shootout, I think both of them died, but now that the, whole thing's been reset, you know, bring them back, uh, you know, bring them back for a cameo cuz they technically alive again, right? Um so not unfortunately not as many cameos as I would have liked to have seen, but um some fun some fun supporting roles by um some people as as previously mentioned. Um if you are a fan of the film, I'd say uh you know if you're a fan of the series, it's something you do want to see um, in the cinema, uh, just to see what they're doing with it, see the new Terminators, the T-3000, the T-5000. Um, it's also interesting to think, too, how the different eras are defined, so the Terminator, original Terminator was in, you know, 80s, we get T-2 towards the 90s, uh, T-3 is in 2000s, Salvation was a couple of years ago, um, they all sound different musically, right, uh, the for me the 80s synth pop score of the original kind of you know is is still runs through my head when I think of Terminator T2 had Guns N' Roses as part of their soundtrack um T3 was something else I was you know I think Salvation had uh um (coughs) uh what's that old song um Rooster I can't remember the, the the group that does it Grunge Band I think Um, You know, so they all kind of sounded differently. This one doesn't really have a a big kind of uh, sound to it um, in in any kind of real sense of remembrance. Um, I don't think it's a a soundtrack that you'd want to run out and buy. Uh, Again, I'm more of a fan of that kind of cheesy synth music of the original. But um, yeah, I'd say that uh, I don't know if we're going to get more of these. They... Uh, the ending, I, I won't give away, um, but obviously with this series, they're always looking to do more films, but apparently the film is not doing too well in the U.S., um, which is a shame because, I, to, to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing more of Amelia and Arnold together um, in a future film. There is, I would do want to say, there is a mid-credits scene that comes up um, midway through the credits, so you'll want to stay from that. The movie, when I watched it, people had already exited the theater. I was like the only person there for the mid-credit scene, uh, but there was nothing at the very tail end. So once you see that mid-credit scene, if you don't want to stay to the end, you're, you're, you're clear to uh, clear out. Um, so yeah, fan of the original, I'd say it's worth a look in the cinema. Um, another kind of point of geek note: uh, geeks probably already know this. Um, you know, with uh, Amelia Clark playing Sarah. Uh, This is the second Game of Thrones actress to play the role, because Laney Hedy, who plays uh, Cersei in Game of Thrones, also played the role of Sarah Connor in the TV show, uh, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I haven't seen. I think I've seen the pilot episode of that, um, but I haven't watched the series beyond that. And people tell me it gets really good, although it got canceled. So that's kind of part of my hesitation to watch it. But they say it's actually far better than a lot of the storytelling in... T3 and, um, in, uh, Terminator Salvation. So, uh, there's that. So yeah, I think if you're a fan of this series, this one I'd say is worth a look. Um, I found myself mar- far more entertained than I thought it would be, uh, much more so than three and the last one. So, you know, if you want to see more of these, uh, get out to the theater, give it a matinee shot and, uh, you know, maybe uh, we'll see Arnold take up the role again in the future. Although with the technology today, who knows if we actually need Arnold anymore um, probably by the time the next film rolls around they'll just have his voice captured and everything done digitally sorry I just had to do that yeah that's that's good yeah yeah um, so yeah are, have you seen all the films Kevin
1: I did um, yeah I of course uh, one I have the least the most vague memory and then I barely remember watching 4. I did watch 4 for sure. Three I saw two of course. I mean like tons of times. So yeah, yeah, no, I've seen them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, two for me um, cuz I I've seen I've seen them all in the cinema. I think I think one was one of the or earlier memories <coughs> of of watching a movie in a cinema that I have. And, yeah, it's it's very dated. The, a lot of the effects look dated. But even some of the effects in 2 now kind of look a little bit dated. Some of the practical um, animatronic effects, for example. But um, I think that but those... not
1: things had not gotten that much better since 2 either. Since yeah, three. that's true. Um, a little bit flashier,
0: a little bit more chromatic in, in some of the... In, you know, in some of the... Like, in the T3, the TX you know, when she's morphing some of the chrome effects, looks a little more fluid than the Robert Patrick chrome. If you go back and look <clears> at that, it's a little bit more flat. Um, now, but, yeah, it's... I think that film still is, in terms of the overall progression of action, a lot more tense, a lot more exciting, you know, in, in the setup, you know, from uh, the original chase scene on the motorcycle to when they're in the psych ward to then later at Cybernine, It's just all... Uh, very well put together and three you know it's like I've seen three I want to say three times now and every time I see it it's like it just goes in one ear and out the other and then I forget (laughs) I I forget I really forget what it's about and I had the same uh, thing with uh, Salvation I did not remember anything about Salvation except that Batman was in it Um, because they're just not that memorable in terms of the impact in terms of the story for some reason lots of flash you know lots of uh effects and, and 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 set direction i would say but in terms of the narrative it's just not very compelling i guess
1: three did have that really cool scene of the truck flipping in the middle of the road but then a few years later christopher nolan did it for Rio in the dark night so suddenly it seemed less cool yeah i guess yeah yeah
0: you listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit comcast.com for more. Well, you have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at comcast.com That's K O N G c-a-s-t dot com or you can hit us up on twitter twitter dot com slash uh, drop us a line on email we would love to hear from you uh, let us know what you think of the movies send us a short review we might talk about it here on the show that is eastscreen at gmail dot com and you can drop by facebook uh, do a search for us over there and you'll find a facebook page where we post updates and you can chat with us over there at well, as well uh, Kevin what are you up to what have you been writing where can people follow you
1: well, most recently, um, no, I still write for filmbiz.asia, dot So that's daily news. Um, you can, <coughs> I'm sorry, you can follow me on Twitter at the Golden Rock. That's one word. At Golden, uh, the Golden Rock. You could hit me up on email at kevin at and. Uh, last show, I mentioned briefly about a BBC interview. Well, I recorded the interview right after we recorded that episode, so now it's up. And you can find the link to the show, which was a BBC radio show called More or Less, where I provided a few quotes about the success of Jurassic World in China. You can listen to the show. Um, the link is on our Facebook page at uh, www.facebook.comslash eastswests. Um, the link to the episode is there, or you can look up BBC um, World Service. Uh, More or less, that's the show's name. And I again, I'm in the uh, the Jurassic World episode. If you can find it, I have uh, three quotes exactly, and there's also an accompanying article that you may be able to find as well. So those are the most recent things. Excellent. And did you speak with a British accent? No, I think that that might that might make make them like even angry that they are to call an American to get a quote for this story, which is like, oh my God, i would to talk to an American. But no, the Hannah, Hannah who, who was the person who interviewed me and she wrote the uh, article, was very sweet, very nice person and it was a very pleasant 20-minute interview that got that and, and it's, it's super impressive that she managed to cut my stutter down to three lines that sounded like I was coherent for once. So, mm. um, thank you, Hannah and the staff of BBC Radio. Well, there you have it. Check it out,
0: folks. Good stuff from Mr. Miles. Uh, next show, episode 167, most likely we're going to be talking about Minions, the latest uh, feature in the GRU Despicable Me universe. Um, so, yeah, all of that news and much more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen West Screen Podcast saying if you travel back in time, never become your own grandfather. And we'll see you next time.
1: We'll be back. Ah.